This is Science Friday. I'm Regina Barber. And I'm John Dankosky. The Oscars are right around the corner. And I don't know about you, but I'm trying to power through as many nominated films as I can. And what I recently watched is a documentary called All That Breathes. It tells the story of two brothers, Nadim and Saud, who dedicate their lives to rescuing black kites. They're beautiful birds, raptors that dominate the New Delhi skies. The brothers have managed to rescue more than 25,000 of these birds who are quite literally falling out of the thick, hazy sky. And they're managing to do this despite very few resources and during periods of religious violence. Here to tell us more about this film is Shaunak Sen. He's director of All That Breathes, joining us from Los Angeles. Shaunak, congratulations and welcome to Science Friday. Thank you. Really pleased to be here. How did you first find this story? Well, the thing is that when you live in Delhi, the air itself is just such a, has a kind of creepy sentience and it's constantly gray and heavy and, you know, everybody's always preoccupied with it. And in it are these tiny, lazy, gliding black dots, which are the birds. And the bird that you see most commonly is this uh, bird of prey or this raptor called the black kite. And this one time when I was sitting I remember looking up and uh, feeling uh, distinctly uh, this sort of impression of watching one of these black dots hurtling down, like falling from the sky. And essentially, I started researching where um, birds go when they fall off the sky. And the singular work of these two brothers, these two uh, Muslim men, Nadim and Saud, they work in this very tiny, grubby basement full of industrial decay and machines. And in it, they treat these magisterial birds. And, uh, you know, in the last 15 odd years, they've saved over 25,000 black kites. And that's how we started on this kind of a venture to make something poetic and philosophical and uh, cinematic about ecology, politics, and the emotional life of the brothers. For these brothers, saving kites has become a type of mission. How did they start doing this? And how did they learn to to take care of these birds that were falling from the sky? I think they sort of stumbled into it in the most slapdash of manners. They, Their story goes that they used to be amateur bodybuilders as teenagers, and they were interested in matters of flesh and tendons and, you know, like the uh, ways in which muscles work. And once they would find injured black kites and would sort of bring them up to their house and start healing and repairing them on their own. And that's how it began. It started with picking one bird up and then 10 and then 100 and then thousands and now scores of thousands, really. And um, it's remarkable because these are not cute songbirds, you know, they're often ferocious raptors and these are big magisterial birds. So, Their story is really one of absolutely radical kindness. They're like three Don Quixotes, you know, who peddle micro-miracles every day. And even though they have, as you can see, a kind of front row seats to the apocalypse, as you've seen, the film doesn't sentimentalize or romanticize anything. What's interesting is the stuff of um, soldiering on. To To my mind, it's a very interesting philosophical disposition towards climate change and to planetary damage. You started our conversation by talking about what drew you to this story in the first place was the sky above Delhi, which you described quite beautifully. 
and I can imagine this this gray haze hanging over the city. Explain a bit more about what draws these birds from the sky. What makes them fall from the sky that is is so polluting that it, it must be harming the humans who live there too? Well, of course it's harming the humans who live there too. I mean, lung disease and other kinds of respiratory ailments is have really skyrocketed. Like they've really gone through the roof in recent years. It's of course effect it affects all non-human life as well. With the black kite, it's a complicated kind of a scenario. There, there's a bunch of uh, reasons why they fall down. Uh, one, for instance, is a cultural reason. You know, the cultural practice of flying paper kites, and they have those sharp strings or the trails. You know, the paper, the kite trails that uh, are used to fly them. Often, birds get entangled in them. Other than that, the ecological reasons are um, uh, very many. For instance, the main sort of the apex predator of in terms of the avian ecosystem for the longest time used to be the vulture in Delhi. But with what's often called now as the diclofenac event, that has changed because essentially the, the excessive use of this chemical called diclofenac meant that it would end up in the kidneys of livestock. And once those livestock would die, the vultures would eat the carcasses and then they would have renal failures. And there was a kind of mass death event which meant that the kite suddenly became the top raptor. Secondly, the amount of food available given the size of the landfill, uh, landfills in Delhi means that there's constant supply of food. Delhi in recent years has become, uh, has the highest density of uh, black kites. And of course, apart from that is the pollution itself. And I don't think there's a study yet that exactly pinpoints which precise toxins cause what kind of damage. But of course, the sheer opacity in the air, etc., doesn't help. Throughout the movie, you have all of these beautiful close-ups of the birds as they roost. How did you capture these these scenes that really allow you to see the faces of the kites? Well, we spent about three years shooting it. Uh, when we began, we were very clear of one thing. We were more sure of what we did not want to do. We did not want to make a wildlife talk. I mean, in the conventional sense. And as you've uh, seen in the film, it's not just the birds, but there's a whole panoply of non-human life like rats and pigs and snails and horses and so on and so forth. And what we decided is that we'll use these long, slow pans and tilts and these really languid, languorous shots. And the main idea that we had to communicate was a kind of simultaneity of life, a kind of entanglement or kinship or neighborliness of life and I think those are best communicated in these kinds of single takes where you've showed these two kinds of life and temporality and so on sort of stapled together in that one shot you know if you look around wherever you guys are right now there's definitely different kinds of non-human life within a few hundred meters of you right and we're constantly simultaneously inhabiting especially urban ecology like in cities so we had to figure out this kind of a grammar of this slow, contemplative, meditative style of slow, long takes. It's interesting how, how you describe your desire to not want to make a traditional nature film. I think one hallmark of the, the nature film that we all grew up with is that uh, scientists and photographers go out into nature whatever we call nature, the African savanna, say, and take pictures of animals in their own habitat. But what your film does is it's, it's showing 
these animals living right next to people, next to all of these people, and it shows a very different type of ecology. And and I think you really succeed in making us understand that that we're part of nature, that nature is not out there, that it's right here with us in in the city of Delhi. The main problem in in terms of thought is how we draw kind of mutually exclusive binary between these things, right? Where nature is apparently something that occurs in beaches and forests and under water and not in the cities. But we know that that's a staggeringly um, silly uh, thought, right? Uh, so much of inhabited land in the world is actually urban and uh, it's exponentially growing. So of course, it's not like non-human life is only consigning itself to non-urban space. And which is why urban ecology is so interesting. Like in the film, the brothers talk about how in the cities uh, in Delhi, they've noticed that certain songbirds sing over the sound of traffic to hear its mate. The city is a very uh, dominant and aggressive driving factor for a non-human life as well. And we have to understand that. And the film really was about interested in urban ecology. The brothers are phenomenally skilled in terms of what they do and uh, have incredible knowledge. And But it's a kind of knowledge that is also taken from a kind of lived uh, experience. It's also as inflected by the spiritual uh, or by the other kinds of belief systems. So they're kind of organic intellectuals. And I think that those kinds of voices are also very obviously equally important. I'm glad that you mentioned the, the spiritual aspect of this. I think one of the striking things about the film is the way that you show the brothers during a period of violence and unrest in their neighborhood, uh, Muslims being targeted because of their religion. And it, it seemed as though these kites were more than just birds that they could rescue, but it really was a symbol of hope. Every time they let one of these birds free, it seemed to symbolize something very powerful for them emotionally and spiritually. That is precisely why the brothers are singular to my mind. Because you see, it's, a, it's as much a story of redemption and hope. And a kind of, it's not a simple-minded optimism. It's a hard-fought radical and a very kind, empathetic kind of hope. And that's what really sets them apart, really, because uh, essentially they see a, like a really staggering amount of devastation, ecological devastation every day, right? But for them to still soldier on and do the kind of work that they're doing is, is incredible because, you know, they're not, they don't speak in the language of martyrdom or heroism. There's a kind of, well, you know, a kind of matter-of-fact wryness to them. There's also levity and joy and laughter and joking and fooling around. And uh, I think that kind of, of, of a attitude is incredibly enriching to witness. Shanak Sen is the director of the documentary All That Breathes. It's available to stream on HBO Max right now. And it's also been nominated for an Oscar. Shanak, thank you so much for joining us and best of luck with this film at the Oscars. Thank you so much. Lovely talking. Sean Xani is the director of the documentary All That Breathes. It's available to stream on HBO Max. And next week, we're going to be rounding up all the sciencey films that were nominated for the Oscars, from Best Picture nominees to documentaries. Please join us.